Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. The epic Christmas story. Last week I began the series, today we're going to continue. How many of you believe Christmas is epic? There'll never be a story like Christmas because Christmas is eternal. There are stories we can read each year. One of my favorite is Dickens' Christmas Carol. I have it in print. We also like to watch it, you know, on television. I love some of the other great stories. And, of course, the greatest story of all why we celebrate is the birth of Jesus, God's Son. But there will never be another Christmas story like the epic Christmas story of Jesus Christ. So when I started last week, I began dealing with the epic plan. How many of you believe God has a plan? He always has a plan. He's never without a plan. When the fall took place in the garden, God's plan didn't fail. See, God created us with free will. Some people don't believe that. But it's very clear in Scripture, there is free will. We choose. Amen? And even with the very first man and the first woman... God knew what Eve and then Adam would choose before it was chosen. So he didn't have to create a plan B because plan A A went under. According to his foreknowledge, as the apostle Peter brings out in his epistle, God set the plan in motion. Think about it. If you could know what the stock markets were going to do before it did it, wouldn't you change your investments the day before? You would plan with your investments, your finance, accordingly. God is the God of yesterday, the God of today, and the God of tomorrow. He was already in the future. He already knew what would happen, and he planned accordingly. Some of you, I don't know, I know I've made some blunders in life, and some of you probably may have, as well as those that are watching online. Aren't you glad that didn't disqualify us? Aren't you, God, aren't you glad God already knew what we would choose and planned accordingly, our comeback, our restoration? I mean, that, that should be something to shout about today. There's always hope. Until we stop to draw the breath of life, there is always a comeback and a turnaround. And God already knew. And plan A didn't fail. Plan A already took into consideration And God focused and he planned and orchestrated accordingly. So the whole reason people were given the breath of life, mankind, humanity, we're different than any other part of creation. The reason we were created was because God wanted a family. How many of you enjoy family? Your Christmas time and other special seasons throughout the year when you gather with your children, your grandchildren, your brothers, your sisters, your parents... It's nice to have family. And then for those who maybe they're the only one surviving in their family, there's nothing like the family of God. Amen? We celebrate together. God wanted a family. And that's why man was created in the image of God. Think of it this way. That person on your left or right, behind you, in front of you, the people you pass on the road, even when they may give some sign gestures with their hands that you may not appreciate, they are still created in the image of God. They were created to be part of God's family, and God wants to touch them, bless them, restore them, bring them into his spiritual family. So every human being from Adam and Eve on, we are God's spiritual offspring. We're in his image, so we can encounter and experience with the Lord what no other part of creation 
can experience. We're sons and daughters, spiritually speaking. You're sons of God. You're daughters of God. Under the ultimate son of God. Amen? We're also brothers and sisters. You know, sometimes people say, why do you call each other brother? Hey, sister. Hey, brother. Well, first, it's very convenient when you can't remember the name you're talking to of the person in the conversation. Hey, brother, good to see you. I know you've done it because I've done it too. But it's not just for a convenient dialogue to save face. It's because it's actually true. And one day, you know, when when the rapture takes place and, and our bodies are glorified, that will happen. Jesus is coming again. When that happens, our bodies will be glorified And then at that point, even physically, we will be brothers and sisters. Spiritually, that's where it begins. We're God's spiritual offspring with his spiritual DNA. When we encounter Jesus Christ, we're restored. And then when the redemption of our bodies, Paul says, right now we're mortal. But one day this mortality is going to put on immortality. One day this corruptible, there's still the effects of sin in our bodies. That's why I lost my hair. Right? That's, that's why there are times we need to go to the doctor and have health checks, you know, because Satan tries to attack our human flesh because right now it's still not been, re- it's spiritually, figuratively, in the presence of God, the redemption's final. Amen? When Jesus said, it's finished. The redemption of our bodies was completed, but it's not yet manifested in the present day and age. But when the rapture, the trumpet of God sounds, our bodies will be glorified. Then we will be redeemed finally, not only spirit, not only soul, but our physical bodies. Aren't you glad for that? That was all part of God's plan A. He didn't have to put a plan B together. God had already prepared. So you're sitting next to brothers and sisters. And when we look towards Almighty God in heaven, you know, we could just say, hello, Father. We call him Father because he is. We're his sons. We are his daughters. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But when you'll find the interruption that transpired when Satan attacked Eve, deceived her, and then Adam gave way, the dream of God was interrupted, but it wasn't halted completely. Because God never fails. God never fails. God is faithful. He always finishes what he begins. Do you know, even when he looks at us, Paul the apostle said, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Look at the person next to you and just say, God's not done with you. He is not done with you. Those watching online, he's not done with you. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So God's working in us. He's faithful. He finishes what he begins. And when this evil demonic interruption took place, when the serpent deceived Eve and then Adam, God responded to this interruption with an everlasting interruption. I like that. Everlasting, eternal. God disrupted, confused, forever, an everlasting, eternal plan that Satan tried to thwart the plans of God through Jesus Christ. God confounded all of the kingdom of darkness. You would think after losing for all of these millenniums, and even before time existed, when Lucifer was cast out of heaven and one-third of the angels, you would think, Lucifer, now Satan, has failed time and time again. I mean, you would think he would get tired of losing. I mean, how many of you like to lose? No wonder the devil is so confused and irate. He's frustrated. He just can't win with God. 
And that's why when we embrace the plan and the purposes of God, and we walk with him, and we're going to see a man today in the, in the text we'll be looking at, you'll find that even when time would try to suggest otherwise, God is always faithful. God always fulfills his plan. And there is a way to maintain our faith, enlarge our faith, and release our faith. And we'll see it in the life of a man in our scripture today. God responded to this evil interruption with an everlasting interruption. Look at, with, look at with me now at Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. We're going to read through verse 25 to 32. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. This is the man we can learn from today. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him, Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Everybody say, the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, speaking of Simeon still. And when the parents brought in, that's Mary and Joseph, the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he was being dedicated, Jesus. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Mm. Do you know from Messiah's very first breath in that Bethlehem stable, God's plan was unfolding. There's no stopping God. There are times, there are seasons, but when the season comes and God says it's time, there's no stopping the Lord. Nations can't stop Him. When Jesus returns, His second coming, all of the nations under the earth, under the direction of the Antichrist, will try to stop that second coming. But they won't. Just as Isaiah says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper, who do you think is the one who backs up that promise? The God who will lead the armies of heaven back to establish the thousand-year reign, the millennial reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And that's why even at His very birth, when Messiah was most vulnerable, He couldn't fend for Himself. When Jesus was in heaven at the right hand of the Father, he was fully mature. There was no limitations. God himself in the kingdom of heaven. But when Jesus allowed himself to become vulnerable, to take on human form, to embrace the limitations of humanity in a human body, he was vulnerable. As a child, God the Father knew if this plan is going to be fulfilled, I need a woman and a man that will be a mentor, that will be a guardian, that will teach my son, because he's going to have to learn, like every other little child from infancy up, to be educated, to learn integrity, character. That's why parents, your role, grandparents, your role in your families is so important. You are instilling right now success or failure, spirituality or a lack of spirituality in the hearts of, your li of the lives of your children by the way you live, what you say, and what you instill with them what you esteem as a priority. It's imperative that we have priorities. And God the Father knew 
The plan would not succeed without the right man, adoptive father, and the right woman. You know, you've heard some organizations, they refer to uh, Mary as the mother of God. She was not the mother of God. She was the mother of his earthly body, but she was not the mother of God. She, she is not deity. Mary was blessed above all women, but she is not deity. In fact, just a little quick notation, just as Jesus did not have the seed of any man, that means there was no seed from Joseph or any other man that caused the conception within Mary's womb. It was supernatural. The egg of Mary played no role at all. God did a surrogate insertion of his son through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Mary served as a surrogate mother, but God provided the seed, he provided the egg, and then Mary in her womb carried the Son of God until he was born. Very special, no other woman like her. Not only to bring his Son into human form for the world so that he could die on behalf of all of mankind, but also for her to be a mentor and for Joseph, the, the adoptive father of Jesus, to be a mentor, to be a role model. And so God the Father knew the right man and the right woman had to care for his son. Those of you who have maybe gone through the adoption process with your children, those of you watching online as well, you know that the adoption agencies are supposed to, and I'm sure the ones you worked with did this, but there is special research, background checks, everything that's important to make sure when that precious, innocent child is placed into the care that you received, if that has been your story, that that child will have every advantage in life and grow up to be an asset, to be a contribution to society. And the same thing is applicable when it comes to God's Son. God the Father knew Mary and Joseph were very important. So from Messiah's very first breath, God's plan was unfolding. What am I saying? Jesus was the fulfillment of the epic promise. And that's what we're going to look at today. The promise of the Christmas story. So with that statement in mind, I want you to consider the following questions. All right, just take a mental note of this. First, why would a Messiah be necessary in light of humanity, in light of the world? Second, why did, we, why did he or Jesus need to come? Why did a Savior have to come to the earth? Why couldn't it have just been done from the throne of heaven? Third, why did mankind need this Savior? Well, simply put, listen to this. Sinful men could only be redeemed by a sinless man. As good as some people are, the integrity they exude, the charitable lifestyle that they demonstrate, the compassion that they give to others, as wonderful as some men and women are in this lifetime, and there have been many, many who have been recognized because of their contribution to life. But only a sinless man could redeem sinful men. One man for many men, male and female. That's why Jesus is referred to in our text as what? The consolation. So what exactly does Luke mean when he uses this word consolation? Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 2, verse 25. It's where we find the word. Luke says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for what? The consolation. Everyone say consolation. 
waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit, this is key, was upon him. Now, Simeon knew God. It's obvious because the Holy Spirit was upon him. But the other aspect we see is that God also knew Simeon. Do you know God knows you? But the amount of time we give to him will determine how much of God pours through us as well as upon us. The promised, the Lord promised this priest, Simeon, that he would not die before he saw and beheld the Messiah. That's a pretty hefty promise. But he knew he had heard from the Lord. In the Greek, when you see this word consolation that we see emphasized in this portion of Scripture, the Greek defined this not only as consolation, but also exhortation, comfort, encouragement, or here's the word I really want to emphasize, refreshment, refreshment. How many of you like to be refreshed after a long day at work? Maybe with a nap, maybe you, you cleanse your body with a, with a shower or a bath. Times of refreshment. You feed your body to refresh your strength. You give it energy, you give it fuel. Refreshing, a cool breeze can be refreshing on a hot day. This word consolation is also defined as refreshment. So when you take and you bring that into perspective, let's go all the way to the New Testament a little further on in the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, Peter speaks about refreshment to the crippled man who was at the gate called Beautiful. Let's read it, Acts 3.19. Peter says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Where do the times of refreshing come from? The presence of the Lord. Where do the times of refreshing come from? Say it. The presence of the Lord. So the presence of the Lord brings refreshment. Now again, this conversation is between Peter and the crippled man at the temple gate. And following this man's healing, Peter references this word in the phrase times of refreshing. And this consolation or this comfort or this refreshment that the Apostle Peter is speaking of is what Simeon was waiting for. It would come through Messiah, but the benefits that Messiah would bring would be this consolation, this comfort, this refreshment or restoration. What was lost in the garden would be restored by the Son of David, the Son of God, the Messiah. Simeon was waiting for God's cure for sin and death. You can say it this way. He was waiting for the Christ, which is also the anointed one, the Messiah. Now write this statement down. I want all of you, pull your phones out if you have them. On the back of your bulletins, I want you to write this statement down. Faith empowers the faithful to wait. Write it down. Faith empowers the faithful, or those full of faith, to wait. Let's look at Luke 2, 26. And it had been revealed to him, Simeon, again, by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, there's two words in this verse I want to emphasize. The first one is revealed, which also from the Greek is defined as manifested or to have disclosed. So it had been revealed or manifested or disclosed to Simeon, right? Right? Then the other word we want to look at is the word Christ, Christos. 
It means the anointed one, the Messiah. So not only was Simeon waiting for that revelation, manifestation, disclosure of the Christ, the anointed one, but he wanted the Lord's Christ. Now why the emphasis on the Lord? What's the, what is this telling us? If you go back in history and if you go through even you know hundreds of years from the time a Messiah was promised and as prophecy began to unfold with greater clarity and then there was there were other prophecies that were given in preparation for the coming of Messiah he would come from the lineage of David all of these prophecies were known by the people but there were those within the people within the nation who were opportunist driven by own personal selfish ambitions driven by their pride who then tried to esteem themselves as they were the Messiah. If you go and you look at some of the other historical writings, such as Josephus, he brings out multiple examples of individuals who proclaimed themselves to be the Messiah that the nation of Israel had been waiting on for so many hundreds and thousands of years. Yet each one eventually was exposed and failed. So throughout all of that time when Simeon says, he would not experience, or when the Lord promised Simeon, he would not experience death until he beheld the Lord's Christ. In other words, God was promising him, you have seen in your lifetime, Simeon, as a priest in the temple, you have seen those, and you have read about as a man of Scripture, those who esteem themselves as to be the Messiah who was promised to come. You've seen them rise, you've seen them fall. But I'm telling you, Simeon, that you will see the authentic. You will see my Christ. The Lord means all authoritative one. You will encounter, you will hold, you will be held the authentic, the Lord's Christ, the real deal. That was a huge promise. I'm sure he asked himself, especially as time progressed. It didn't happen the moment he heard it. In fact, do you know why God gives prophetic words to us as believers at times? Sometimes people hear a prophetic word and they go, praise the Lord. Did you hear what God spoke over me? Thank God for prophetic utterance. Amen. But the Lord gives prophetic words when he knows we're going to have to wait a season. And that will be an encouragement to us. It will be something for us to lock into, draw hope from, until the Lord brings into fruition the promise that he gave. So never expect God is an instant God, amen? But because God doesn't live in, in, in the restrictions of time, that's why the Bible says one day is, is a thousand years for the Lord. You know, people in heaven, they don't count time. Think about it. Have you ever gone out of your house, those of you who are pet owners, you go out, in, out of your house, maybe you take the trash down to the edge of the driveway. You're like, five minutes, that's it. You come back in, and your dog just overwhelms you with joy. And you say to him, or your cat, you say to them, it was less than five minutes. But because they have no concept of time, right? It's like every time you walk through the door, you get that royal welcome. In heaven, there's no time. There's no restrictions there. God's not restricted to time. He created time. So he's, he, as the creator, he's above all that is created. So he's, he's not constrained by time. And so those in heaven, we, you know, we here on earth, if we have loved ones that precede us into the presence of God, we grieve, we miss them. Because we know for a season, we'll be separated. 
But in heaven, our loved ones, your parents, your brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, they, they have no concept of time. So maybe if there's even been 15, 20, 30 years, you, they have been in the presence of God and you've been here separated from them on earth. We feel the pain of time, but they don't. So when we step into the presence of God, those streets of gold, to them it'll be like we were never separated. You can think of it this way. When they see us come into, into God's presence and we make our entrance into heaven through those pearly gates, it's like that loved one will turn to us and say, there you are, I've been looking for you. That's why there's no tears in heaven. There's no sorrow there. And so when you take and, and, and you look at this whole aspect of the Lord's Christ and his promise, Simeon, he had to wait. He felt the restrictions and constrictions of time, but God didn't. And that's why one of the greatest acts of faith, not the greatest, but one of the greatest acts of faith we can demonstrate is while we're waiting, we still believe. A lot of people give up when they wait. But when we, like Simeon, believe, and now Simeon's an old man when this transpires. It doesn't say when he received this prophecy, but it had been some time. But yet he continued to believe. What are you waiting on today? What is it that you feel God has promised you, but yet you've not seen the manifestation? You've not seen the fulfillment? Listen to me. Load up on faith. Believe God. Stand and wait patiently. For in due season, it's the word of God, not mine, you will reap a harvest of blessing. Simeon was promised he would see the Lord's Christ. Even in our day and age, and in, in, in the history that we identify with more readily, there have been many counterfeit religions that grace this earth, maybe grace is the wrong word, that fill this earth, right? Because there's no grace in falsity, right? What about the polytheistic beliefs of Hinduism, Buddhism? Man, there's millions of gods with the Hindu faith. Can you imagine trying to memorize those names? I like just knowing one God. King of kings, Lord of lords, hallelujah. Many different names to describe who he is and what he does. But one God, his name, glory to him, Jesus Christ. Then there's also Islam, esteeming Muhammad and the Koran as truth. What about the Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses? They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They believe he was a God, but not the God. Fact. I've done my research. I've done my homework. They also don't believe in the personhood of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a person. He's a force. Sounds like he's been to too many uh, Star Wars events. May the force be with you. What about the Mormons? They proclaim the writings of Joseph Smith in equality with the Bible. And they also teach that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. Listen, Jesus is not, was not, never will be an angel. He was not the brother of Lucifer. He was the king over Lucifer. He was still king of kings in heaven before he took on human form. And when Lucifer disobeyed along with one-third of the heavenly hosts, they were expelled from heaven to the earth. But the Mormons teach, well, they were brothers. Just like Cain and Abel, 
One was a good brother. One was a bad brother. One was a white sheep, the lamb of God. One was the black sheep. It's not the case. What about Scientology? I think it takes more faith to believe in Scientology than it does to believe in the Bible. Have you ever studied Scientology? I have. I have to be readily knowledgeable of all of these belief systems that are out there so that I am ready to speak on God's behalf. If there's things I don't know, hey, and there's a lot I don't know, I'll say, I don't know. But I study to show myself approved to God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. I want God to get the most knowledge out of me he can. I'm his. And that should be all of our cries. Now, Scientology, it promises quality of life, right? By learning how, listen to this, learning how to silence the voice of immortal, immortal alien beings that are living within you. I mean, it's like Predator inside of us, right? Man, that was the noise in the movie Predator. Our youngest daughter, Laura, she, she saw that movie once. She was afraid of that. So her sisters and I and then her mother would bring correction on the other daughters and, and on me, the dad. Don't make that noise to her. It scares her. Right? So they say we have these immortal alien beings living within us. And guess what they're called? Because Ron Hubbard invented the name. A fictional writer. Thetans. Thetans. Again, it takes more faith or stupidity, maybe that's a better word, to believe that than it does all of the documentation, all of the accuracy we see centered around the Word of God and Jesus Christ and the prophecies, all that were fulfilled. No person could do that unless they were God. Again, the list of false religions, it could go on and on. And Simeon, the man in our text, he had experienced in his lifetime all of this rhetoric. He was sick of it. Another one, another false prophet, another false messiah. Father, God Jehovah, I am waiting. You promised. You said it. I believe it. And I will wait. Even as an old man, I will wait. I believe. I believe. I believe. Do you believe this morning? He said, I believe, I will see as you promise, not the Christ, but the Lord's Christ, the all-authoritative Christ, the real deal. Pepsi had a slogan out years ago, it's the real thing. And God the Father is saying, Simeon, I'm going to let you see and behold and encounter, experience the real thing, the real thing, the Lord's Christ. And do you know why he was able to wait like this? Because of, in my closing point, the consecration. Why was Simeon able to recognize Jesus? I mean, think about it. It had been years. You would think your confidence level, oh, Lord, am I real? did I really hear from you? I'm sure Satan hit him with every type of challenge. Did I really? Is this really you, Lord? Uh, maybe, it, maybe it was the locks and bagels I had the night before. You, you know, and I, I just, maybe it was just a food vision, not a divine vision. I mean, we all ask, we all get hit with things. Did I really hear from you? I started this church in 2006. 
I was here four months and our daughter lost her life. Lord, did I hear from you? Should I have stayed where I was? Did I place my family and my daughter in harm's way? You think I don't get hit? Everyone gets hit. But I had heard from God. And in spite of the challenge, I said, Lord, I will never leave you nor forsake you because you will never leave me nor forsake me. It's easy to be faithful when it's good. It's comfortable. But when it's challenging, when a season of change hits, just like with Pastor Nat, and the Lord is blessing him in his new position. But it was a season of change for this church. Pastor Joshua and Kate moving to a new place of ministry. We are so excited for them. We are. But it's a season of change. Does God's plan fall apart for River of Life or any other church when they go through seasons of change? If God is shifting key people, He's doing it because He wants to extend the anointing and the blessing in other regions, and then He will bring those that belong here as well, just like other churches that walk through the same types of transitions as the river is. It's all part of God's plan. He wants us to know it's all about Him. It's not about Pastor Craig. It's not about anybody else. It's all about Jesus. Everybody say, it's all about Jesus. Praise Simeon, in spite of the weight, he was able to recognize Jesus. Do you know why? Very simple. Because he was heavenly minded. Have you ever heard people say, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good? You know, that's nowhere in the Bible. That is just a convenient way the devil tries to cool down people's, you know, zeal. Cool down or, or, or cause them to become lukewarm. Now, I'm not saying to be obnoxious or, or people who are like a bull in a china closet. You know, even Jesus had wisdom the way he did things, and, and we need to gain wisdom from him. We have to know when it's time to talk and when it's time to be silent. I get that. But we always need to be heavily minded or we'll lose track of whose kingdom we're building. I thought that was pretty good. I just got that right now from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I give him all the praise. I do. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things, what are all these things? Your kingdom, what you're waiting on, what you're believing for, all these things will be added to you. Stay heavenly minded so you're never distracted and you love this world, the things of it, more than you love God. Him first, amen? Praise the Lord. So when you take and you look at Simeon, Jesus was brought to the temple, a baby's body, just a baby. His speech, his vocal abilities had not developed. He had no way of knowing how to communicate. He didn't do mind telepathy. There was no way that Jesus could speak to Simeon where he could say, Simeon, it's me. I'm just trying to get you to understand exactly what was transpiring. Yet when Simeon saw Jesus, he knew this was the Lord's Christ. Jesus couldn't tell him. God the Son was in the limitations of a human body that had to develop and had to grow. He was just a baby. 
And also, Simeon had no way of knowing that on that exact day, Mary and Joseph would bring the Christ child to be consecrated to the Lord. There was no forward information, advance notice. Yet, as soon as Simeon saw him, he knew. He knew. Do you know, seeking God's kingdom, it will reveal God's kingdom. When we are faithful to seek the kingdom of God first, seeking God's kingdom reveals God's kingdom. David talks about this in Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man or woman. In fact, just a point of theology. Whenever the term man is used in Scripture, it's always applicable, male and female. If you go back to the book of Genesis, it's, it's in God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. So male and female is the representation of man in two genders. All right? Just so you know that. So whenever you read Scripture, those who are, who are gender sensitive and they say, you know, the Bible is bigoted. It's, it's all about men. God, maybe man at times may misinterpret, but God, from the writing of the Hebrew Scriptures all the way through into the New Covenant through Christ, the Word of God, always when you're hearing man, unless it's speaking of a man named whatsoever, the name may be. Other than that, it's applicable to all of humanity. So David says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. See, God was directing Simeon's steps. He was. Look at Luke 2.25. Scripture says the Holy Spirit was upon whom? Who? Simeon. He was devout and just. Because he was heavenly minded. When God spoke, he was able to hear. The problem is for some of us at times, and we've all been there, we become so earthly minded and then we're all frazzled, filled with fear and confusion and doubt, unbelief, because we're too earthly minded. We need to be heavenly minded. And because Simeon was focused on the Lord, he was still dealing with life just like us, but because he was focused on the Lord, he could hear from the Lord. Being heavenly minded brought the presence and the Holy Spirit of God upon him. Then look at verse 27. It says, he came by the Spirit into the temple. Simeon thought Simeon was walking into the temple. But because God is always in control, say, God is in control. Because God was in control. Even when Simeon didn't know it, God was leading him into the temple. It was a divine appointment. There may be times when you go here or you go there, and maybe an event transpires, and afterwards you just say to yourself, that was God. You didn't know it when you walked into it. That was God. And it was the same thing for Simeon. Think of it this way. Simeon didn't find the promise. The promise found him. Doesn't it say in Scripture, David said this in the 23rd Psalm, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Do you know, there's a predator going after you. And his name is God. In the form of goodness and mercy he is seeking after you he's going to hunt you down he's going to track you down and he's going to overtake you with his goodness and his mercy everybody lives a life thinking god's about to just drop the hammer on me he's the big man in the sky with the club to hit me whenever i stray just a little bit he has a crook to pull us in back to the family but he's not out to beat us and hurt us and harm us he loves us he loves us 
goodness and mercy. The Holy Spirit was leading Simeon that day. Simeon had no idea what was about to unfold. The promise, the fulfillment was about to happen. Praise God. Simeon would have missed this epic promise. Fulfilled. You will not die until you behold the Lord's Christ. Had he not understood what it means to wait on God, Simeon would have missed this divine appointment. Tired of waiting, getting ahead of God. Well, I'm just going to do it this way. How many of you have ever done it your way and then you say, oh my goodness, that was not the right choice. I've done it. We've all done it. It's called learning. Learning. Hopefully we learn from it and don't repeat it. Simeon waited. In closing, Jesus is the only answer. He is. The Father knew this. He is the only answer for a broken world filled with what? Broken people. This world is broken because it's being run by broken people. Broken promises, broken hearts, broken dreams. Jesus came, Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the epic promise. He came to restore that which was broken by the fall. Simeon, he finished strong. Have you ever heard it said, it's not how you start, it's not even the in-betweens, but how you finish is what matters. We've seen even in track and field, athletes, runners, partway they have a slow start off the block. And partway through, maybe they may fall and they get back up. But they still continue to persevere. And then they finish strong. They cross the finish line. In a performance, a musician may be doing a concert. Maybe the concert's okay. In between, maybe there was a few slips that they wished, oh, that was a, that was a bad note. But then at the end, the finale, it's spectacular. And when it's all said and done, the audience stands and gives an applause, a standing ovation. It's not how you start. It's not even how you may struggle in between, but it's how we finish the race. Finish strong. Finish strong for the Lord. And Simeon, he finished strong. Look at Luke chapter 2, 29 through 32. Simeon's prayer. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, that promise. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. See, what Simeon was praying and proclaiming was he had experienced God's salvation, God's revelation, and then God's glory. And all because, why? Because he embraced the epic promise. And do you know this promise? is for all of you. This promise is for everyone who's watching online. For God so loved the world that he gave. The epic promise because of the epic Christmas story is for anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. Not only for salvation, but everyday living. 
raising your children, feeling their pain at times, having the concerns as a mom and dad, being a husband, being a wife, a son, a daughter, your position and place of employment. There are always uncertainties, but when we place our faith, our hope, and our lives in the hands of the God of all certainty, He will remove the uncertainty from our lives. Aren't you glad for that? That begins with salvation, knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. If there's anyone in this auditorium, anyone watching online, if you have never committed your life to Jesus, if you've never embraced Him as the Messiah, the Lord's Christ, not another way to live a good life, but the only way to live an acceptable life before Almighty God. If you've never prayed, say, God, I, I, I'm a sinner and I, I need your help. I invite Jesus to come into my life, be the center of my being. Lord, forgive me, change me, transform me, teach me, use me. If you've never prayed that prayer or something similar, then it's time to embrace the epic Christmas story. It's time to embrace the Christ of Christmas, Messiah, Deliverer, Redeemer, Savior, Lord. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to pray a prayer of commitment, a prayer of affirmation. Commitment and affirmation of the Lord's Christ. Prayer of salvation, prayer of commitment. Maybe for some it's a reaffirmation, a recommitment. I don't believe in rededication. Once you're dedicated, you're God's property. But sometimes we need to reaffirm and recommit to who we were dedicated to. Amen? And I want to pray a prayer, and if you're here, and if you don't know if you've ever committed your life to Christ, pray this prayer with me out loud. If you know the Lord and... Maybe you were challenged by the message today. I know I was challenged when I put this together. And reaffirm your faith. Reaffirm your love. I did. I couldn't preach this unless I embraced it first. Reaffirm your love. Reaffirm your commitment to the Lord's Christ. Reaffirm the importance of being heavenly minded so that you can be earthly good in the Lord's hands. We're going to pray this prayer. And then the worship team is going to close the service in a song. Everyone, just lift your hands towards heaven because it's just you and God. You and God. That's it. If you're physically able, lift your hands. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I need you. I need Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to forgive me when I've become distracted and pursued my kingdom above yours. Right now, I reaffirm, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. I want him to be my Savior and Lord. According to your promise, according to your word, you've heard my prayer. My sins are forgiven. It's a new day, a new beginning. It's a time of refreshing. Thank you, Lord. I embrace 
the Lord's Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give the Lord praise? Can you just, an affirmation of praise through your applause? Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.